0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast. The podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics.
2: I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Listeners, we have reached the summer of 69. You know, when Brian Adams bought his first real six-string and set up a band, but then one of them quit and one of them got married. It didn't really happen, but that's not what this podcast is about. The next story Pete and I had intended to do was a Lois Lane story, which runs from issue 94, issue 95 is an 80-page giant, and then the story's concluded in issue 96. But we didn't really, after reading it and looking at it, and we both sort of agreed it's pretty horrible. Isn't it, Pete?
1: It's dreadful. Yes,
2: it's a weird sort of experience that we've had of doing the solo Lois Lane issues. Even that story we did in Superman two hundred and fifteen, quite recently. They're they're all a bit mm-hmm. unpleasant, you know.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. this one's very much of the same ilk yeah.
2: Yeah, it's all dysfunctional relationships and unpleasant behaviour and kids being smacked and <laughs> all this sort of stuff and. People swapping with their interdimensional selves and resuming relationships that their duplicates had and yeah. just playing off. And it's really, you know, Pete and I have talked about the sort of messages and stuff that this was sending to, to kids reading the comic, <laughs> And it's all very unpleasant. So we've kind of made an executive decision that we're not going to do the full story that begins at issue 94 and then is concluded in issue 96. But I will tell you quickly the rough plot of said story. Issue 94 published on the 26th of June, 1969, with a Neil Adams cover. Do you want to tell everyone about the cover Tish ninety-four?
1: I certainly shall. We have Lois Lane in an orange dress. Yes. And she is standing by a fancy mirror. And reflected in the mirror is another Lois Lane, again in an orange dress, but in a different pose. And in the background is Superman sitting on the couch, who's holding aloft a child in the air who's wearing... Blue trunks and uh, red socks. Very Superman-esque. Yes. And the reflection in the mirror says to Lois, Lois, if you want Superman for your husband, step into the mirror and exchange places with me. But if you do, you'll never return to Earth again.
0: And the caption at the bottom says, Featuring... The Lois Lane in the Mystic Mirror.
2: Yes, so I think that's our 17th Neil Adams cover, I think. Sounds about right. I'm losing yes. count, but roughly, that's rough, roughly where we are. Part one of the story in issue 94 is called Lois Lane in the Mystic Mirror. And basically what happens is Lois goes to a press club charity show that features a magician called Cagliostro. Lois volunteers to take part in Cagliostro's show and as a result of winning a wager with the magician, And she wins, really, because Clark Kent is also at this press club show and he does some super breath from the audience. Lois takes possession of Cagliostro's Mystic Mirror, the eponymous Mystic Mirror, if you like. And basically, as we sort of said, what follows is a story that's quite similar to the the adventure from Superman 215. There's swapping between dimensions. There's a parallel soups and a Lois who have a child. There's some trouble with gold kryptonite. The mirror, Lois, really isn't very nice at all. In fact, part two of the story, the one from issue ninety-six, is actually entitled <clears throat> "Weep for Lois Lane's Baby." <laughs> Gosh,
1: it's very dark, isn't it?
2: It's horrible. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's as, we, as we keep saying, the questionable relationship dynamics that been peril to the, the kids at this time. Weep for Lois Lane's baby because it ends up getting his backside scalped. (laughs) You know, it's terrible. (laughs) Again, as I say, questionable relationship dynamics. And when I was reading it, I just sort of thought, "This is terrible. Are we going to have to do this?" But then, but then I noticed there's another story in issue 96, which also kind of falls into a remit. It's much more groovy. So we decided to do that. But before before we get to that, any thoughts on the Mystic Mirror adventure?
1: I have plenty much thoughts on this two parter. Because it is abominable. The parallel Lois is married to Superman and they have a child, as you said, mm. but she is desperate to get away and basically swap places with our Lois. Yes. Just abandoning her husband and child so she can flirt with yeah. Earth One's Superman. It's like, what? Talk about just ditching your parental responsibilities. Yeah. But obviously, Earth One Lois is thinking, oh, I can have all I wanted a family with, you know, the man of my dreams. Mm. And it just, it's horrible and. There's a whole plot where basically Superman in this other world has set up this fortress for them so that if they get attacked, then they can basically jettison off into space and hit an invisibility button so they can be hidden from all Superman's enemies. Obviously, this happens and Superman then can't find them. Yes. It's very, very odd. When Lois Lane's trying to fix the whole situation, she opens up this door thinking she can escape. But there's gold kryptonite behind it, and that robs the child of their powers. Yes. But it also, in this other universe, transfers the powers to Lois. Yes. So she becomes Super Lois in this other universe and manages to save them both. In the end, they do manage to swap back around, but obviously, when Lois returns to Earth One, she loses her powers. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the Super Kids in the other Earth has lost his powers forever.
2: Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? The parenting sort of that's on display. <laughs> it's just shocking. <laughs> yeah. I wonder about the psychological state of mind of the people that were writing these stories. <laughs> Remember ages ago, we we did a story called Lois Lane's Super Babysitter and I really had to twist Pete's arm into actually doing it. It was the first one that, yeah. that Pete really didn't want to do. And we had a yeah. we had a chat one night and Pete was like, we can't do this. And I said, well, we have to. We're doing everything then. So which is why when we did that one, we kind of summarized it loosely and didn't really go into a lot of the detail Mm -hmm. because it was really quite grotty and i have to admit i haven't read an awful lot of lois lane silver age stuff Mm -hmm. these stories that that we've touched upon and covered they really don't make me feel like reading some more yeah we did a robbie reed house a mystery story and i ran out and collected the entire series (laughs) if i see a lois lane silver age comic now i want to run away
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're a mixed bag there are some some gems in it i mean we really enjoyed the one where she was flying a kite for the jimmy oh yes that was good That one. yeah that was fun I mean, enjoyed the Titan Man 1, the guest star to mm. Hello.
2: Yes, and had the nice Kurt Schaefenberger artwork. Yeah, that mm. was good.
1: But yeah, the other ones aren't as fun as that.
2: Yeah. As I say, we're going to do the story, the cover story from issue 96 of Lois Lane. And it's the last issue of Lois Lane that I think we're going to do. There will be a solo Lois Lane story from an issue of Superman Family Mm -hmm. that we'll do in one of the 100 pages. See if you can guess which one that is, listeners. And obviously we're going to do the Mr. and Mrs. Superman stories from Superman Family as well. And there will probably be a couple of other Superman-related stories at some point. They're
1: far off in the distance.
2: It's good to finally get these out of the way, (laughs) so to speak. Mm -hmm. We are talking loosely about the story, but we're going to do it properly. There is a little bit of correspondence about the story in issue 94-96, the one with the mystic mirror, if it was an episode of Friends. So we're going to quickly look at those letters before we go on. So issue 98, with letters to Lois and Lana, has a couple of missives about the story we've just discussed. And the first letter goes a little something like this. Dear Editor... Lois Lane number 94 was positively shimmering. I read the Lois Lane in the Mystic Mirror and became so absorbed in it that I was stunned to see that it would be mirrored in the next issue. And with Lois' thoughts reflecting that she's stranded in space, I hope her dilemma is only a fantastic illusion having to do with the mirror. I'm positively glassy-eyed over the story. And that's from Paula Nass, Portland, Oregon. Editorial response is... So, that is how you feel, is it? Up pun reflection? Says so the editor. Yes.
1: Second letter says Dear editor, in Lois Lane number 94, Jor, and that's the son of Superman and Lois in this other Earth, Yes. Jor instantly loses his superpowers when he encounters gold kryptonite. In World's Finest number 167, Little Kal El met up with some gold K and it had a delayed effect. How do you explain this? That's from Richard Breger from North Miami Beach,
2: Florida. Wow, North Miami Beach, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Editor responds to Richard's letter, says, Easily. This time we have two possible outs. The world's finest story was imaginary, and the lowest story occurred in a parallel universe where gold kryptonite had somewhat different properties. So, we're covered both ways. Editor. Well, that was nice. There's one more letter, which says, Dear Editor, Lois Lane number 94 was very good, and I'm anxious to read part two of The Mystic Mirror. However... On the cover, the Superman of the Mirror World was wearing Batman's utility belt. I'm not saying this was a mistake. In fact, I have an explanation. Obviously, there's a Batman in that parallel world. Therefore, the Mirror, Superman and Batman are partners, like the ones in our world. And the Mirror Batman gave Supi a new utility belt to test on a mission. That's my explanation. Do you like it? And that's from Kevin Kennedy, Sonny Mead, also in Florida.
1: And the editorial response is, fine, but it's quite an experience to have you belt us with an apparent error and then help us by providing an alibi. Now we don't have to dream one up. Thanks, editor.
2: I think that what happened was the parallel Superman killed the parallel Batman and stole his utility belt. That's what I think.
1: <laughs> as a trophy. He wears it as a trophy. Yes,
2: that's exactly what it is.
1: On the cover from that issue, you can just see two of the capsules. Right. You know, that uh, Silver Age Batman had at the side. You know, the containers and uh-huh. the old style utility belts. Yeah. However in the story he doesn't actually seem to have that. Right. Which is quite interesting.
2: So the two part Lois Lane and the Mystic Middle story. Kids if you want to read it you could track it down but don't come crying to us. Here we are. We're now going to do the lead cover story from issue 96 of Lois Lane published on the 12th of August 1969. Pete say, would you like to tell everyone about the maybe the 19th Neil Adams cover that we've had?
1: <laughs> yes. On this cover, we have Superman, irradiated in green. Oh, no, that can mean only one thing. Mm. He's chained to a wall, and in front of him is a man in a puffy shirt <laughs> with kind of a, a mullet thing, a sweatback back mullet going on with sideburns mm. receding hair. A bit of a goatee going on. Looks like he stepped out of the set of Zardoz. And he's talking to Lois Lane and Lana Lang.
2: And he's saying... Prove your love for Superman. To save him from kryptonite death, one of you must drink this poison and die, so that he may live and marry the other.
1: And above Lois and Lana, we have two empty speech balloons. Mm. Empty. <gasps>
2: yes, it's almost like they're both talking and they've been silenced or something. It's, again, mm. it's this horrible, misogynistic <laughs> undertones to everything that happens. Very unpleasant.
0: And a caption box at the side says, Can you guess what the girls are saying? And at the bottom, there's another caption that says, Which of them will agree to die for Superman? Lana Lang? Lois Lane? Both? Or neither? And indeed, the receding Vartok style guy is holding a chalice. Yes. With
1: some liquid in it. The poison.
2: Mm. Gosh. There's a definite... Season 3 of Star Trek vibe to this guy, isn't there?
1: Yeah, he does look very original series Klingon. Mm-hmm. Without the skin makeup, yeah.
2: There's a real series, I mean obviously the comics published in summer of 69, so it's, there's a real mm-hmm. Season 3 of Star Trek vibe to it full stop. Mm. I'm quite glad that by sheer coincidence this <laughs> as the, the Mystic Mirror Dimension story overlaps with this one because it's <laughs> a little bit more fun. We haven't really done too much with Lana Lang. True. Shall we jump straight in then? Let's do so. Awesome. So... Our opening splash panel, we're back with the chap with the big <laughs> puffy shirt and the leggings and the, the buccaneer-style boots and the receding swept-back mullet and the, the goatee and his prematurely lined face. Maybe he's an old guy who's dressing far too young, I don't know. I love the scoop neck on his shirt, I really do. Yeah. Our opening splash panel shows him and Superman standing. They're basically in a garden, it looks like, with a huge amount of very mm-hmm. large and varied fancy flowers around them, on the ground in front of them. We see a feminine hand with a what looks like a wine glass that has been dropped, discarded with some liquid pouring out of it into the ground. Superman and the space hippie guy look aghast. At the top, we have a logo that says Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. And then we have a text caption box that says, Which of these girls has taken the fatal step, Lois or Lana? And we see little inset headshots of Lois and Lana, and the text
0: continues, Which one loved the Man of Steel enough to become... The Girl girl Who Died died For Superman
2: Superman. And Space Happy Guy is saying She did it She drank the poison And Superman, he says She gave her life To save me Gosh, into the story Page 2, panel 1 Is captioned
0: It is late afternoon in Metropolis As a ravishing female newscaster Leaves the studios of WEMT-TV It's Lana Lang, who was Superman's sweetheart when he was a teenager in Smallville.
2: It must be said, Lana Lang looks hot as anything in this story. She looks great. I think she was probably played by Anne Margaret in this story, quite frankly. (laughs) She's leaving the skyscrapers wearing a short purple mini-dress, a nice floral neck scarf. Panel 2 is a close-up of her with a caption that says...
0: But soon after, as Lana enters her apartment...
2: Yes, she's wide-eyed with shock, and she says, Oh, what in the world? Who would pull such a cruel stunt? And the next panel, it's kind of over Lana's shoulder point-of-view shot, and she's seeing four versions of Superman and Lois. They're hugging, they're kissing, they're clasping hands, they're deep in conversation. There's a weird sort of distorted outer space background to it all. Lana sees all this, and she thinks,
1: 3D images of Superman and Lois being very lovey-dovey. When I get my hands on the Joker, who did this?
2: And then the
0: caption for panel four says, But when the enraged redhead switches on the lights, the lifelike display vanishes.
2: And there are two people standing in Lana's apartment. One is a man who is, well, you know what we were saying about Star Trek Season 3, he looks very much like Mr Spock, it must be said. He has heavy eyebrows, He's a fringe, short, dark hair. He's wearing a loose-fitting red shirt, which is a deep black V, with a little red circle White triangle sort of design. The lady who's with him has very short hair. She looks a bit like Bernie Summerfield from the Doctor Who New Adventures, actually. She
1: does, yes.
2: She also looks a little bit like the lady from Superman 2, if you want to try and picture her. I can't remember the character's name. What's she called? Ursa. There you go. Sarah Douglas. There we are. That's not difficult, is it? (laughs) She's wearing a sort of green outfit, which also is a big sort of scoop off the shoulder, tight neck sort of thing. She's wearing black leggings and, and green boots. And these people are standing, and the man says... Thank you for confirming our suspicions about you, Miss Lang. And the woman with the bunny's surprise, Summerfield haircut and earrings, says... Her Illumino images drew the expected response. Lana looks furious. She says... Who are you and what are you doing in my digs? The Mr Spock lookalike replies in the next panel, saying... I am Mornu,
0: and this is Rini. We come from another dimension. Your reaction to the Superman lowest display proves that you still care deeply for him.
2: A very sassy Lana Lang replies, Suppose I do. What business is it of yours? And then Rene says, I'll explain. And this takes us to page three. Now that narrates the next couple of panels, we have the now traditional inset discombobulated head, giving us the caption to the first panel of page three that says,
1: Several months ago you were flying a helicopter in a raging thunderstorm.
2: And that's what we see. We see Lana in the white WMET TV helicopter. The blades are spinning, there's lightning crackling all around her. Reading the rates, panel two.
1: You remember your aircraft was buffeted by violent air turbulence. But there was something else happening, which you were too busy with the controls
2: to notice. It's almost like a big blast of multicoloured energy as you know it reminds me of the rainbow bridge from four. Yes, indeed. It's almost like that's rushing past underneath Lana's helicopter. But then Rini's caption for panel 3 says
1: The storm opened up an interdimensional gap momentarily warping the natural barrier between our two worlds
2: Ah, between our two worlds, those magic words This is a great panel, definitely putting this one on the Instagram This is going in a tweet It's the shot of the WMET TV helicopter being struck by the burst of multicoloured interdimensional energy It was a massive VAROM sound effect as as this happens we return to the present in panel four as lana says to the creepy scary twosome
1: that's quite a story but what does it have to do with me and superman and mornu says had your aircraft not been in the precise position to block the momentary rip when it opened the resulting disturbance would have instantly obliterated our entire dimension
2: and then reeney says
1: so we all owe our lives to you billions of us
2: Lana looks thoughtful, in the final panel of page 3, as she says.
1: Well, I suppose it's possible. I've been up in the WMET copter hundreds of times and flown through my share of storms. And off camera, one of them says. So you can see why we are so happy to do you a favour in return. One that can make you the wife of Superman.
2: Gosh, it's all women seem to think about in these stories, isn't it?
1: It is indeed, yes.
2: Marrying Superman and stuff. It's just depressing. Right, so, (laughs) top of page four. The caption for the first panel says... At
0: that moment, in Lois Lane's apartment building several miles away...
2: Yes, we're with Lois. She's wearing a very, very fetching white blouse with some red detailing and baggy blue trousers. Sort of thing Alex Jones might wear on the one show. I mean, the lovely, bubbly Welsh TV presenter. I don't mean anyone else. <laughs> and she's clearly riding the elevator in her apartment building, or as we say in Britain, the lift. And also sharing the elevator space is the, the freaky-looking Star Trek Series 3 guy who we saw on a splash panel on the cover we can see his leggings and his buccaneer style boots and his belt and his big scoop neck and the nice circular pattern detail around the scoop neck and his sweat back receding mullet and his goatee. And Lois is kind of giving him some side eye and she's thinking, talk about characters. Look, I just stepped onto the elevator. There must be a masquerade party in the building tonight. And then the caption for panel two says unexpectedly. And we see that this character, Star Trek Series 3 guy, who, interestingly, isn't named in this story, <laughs> he's pressing some buttons on the wall. There's a bit of a flare around him, and Lois says, hey, why are you dousing the lights? And then the next panel, in a similar thing to what happened when Lana saw all of the different Superman and Loises earlier on, we see that Lois is now looking at Superman Who's surrounded by a green glow, looks though he's chained to a wall by kryptonite handcuffs or shackles, and he's definite green glow to his face. Lois looks shocked and says, It's Superman, trapped in kryptonite shackles! That stuff is deadly to him! He's turning green! He's dying! And then the caption for the next panel says, And then the light is switched back on. Yes, we seem to be just back in the lift as normal. Scoopneck Star Trek guy says, no, Miss Lane, what you saw wasn't really Superman, but an Illumino image I projected. Yet, Superman really is dying in my dimension, just as I showed you. Why tell me about it, says Lewis. And he gets a nice close-up in the final panel of page four, as he says, to give you a chance to save him. Just go back with me to the Xena dimension and compete in a special contest. That xena spelt with a Z, just if you're wondering about such things. Not like a warrior princess. Yes, Lois, also looking very Bernice Summerfield, it must be said, and his panel says, And you'll free Superman, eh? How do I know your little display wasn't faked? For all I know, the guy might not be in danger. This is great. I can imagine Margot Kidder playing this scene. It worked really, really well. You know, very sceptical, cynical, Lois. Lovely. Anyway, top of page five and unnamed sweatback back mullet Star Trek three facial hair scoop-neck guys holding up a copy of the Daily Planet, which has the headline,
0: Superman leaving Earth on secret three-day mission.
2: And he shows the paper to Lois and he says, True, but he might be, rebuffing Lois's assertion. You know he is not in Metropolis. Suppose I tell you his mission was to our dimension and my people captured him. Refuse to come with me and he may die. Can you afford to take the chance? And Lois, reading the newspaper headline and thinking, she says, No! I can't! I slow dissolve the caption for panel two.
0: Meanwhile, in an abandoned subway tunnel near Lana's apartment...
2: Yes, this is the unexpected early arrival of Billy Batson and the original Captain Marvel. Can you imagine? Podcast. I can, I'm imagining it right now. Mm. Except we are in a different city, doesn't matter. <laughs> Lana's walking down the stairs with Mr. Spock, lookalike, Mornu and... Bernice surprise Summerfield, look like Renie. And Lana's saying... But Mornu, Lois
1: and Superman are practically engaged. Sure, I still love him, but I wouldn't want to break them up if she's the right girl for him. And Rini says... We agree, Lana.
2: In the next panel, they're walking down a platform, it looks like, and there's a sort of capsule on the platform in front of them. It's more sort of space capsule type thing. It's
1: like a bubble car, really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's kind of odd looking. Mornu says... If
1: Lois is right for him, she will undoubtedly win the contest and things will remain as they are. And
2: Lana says, And if I win? And Vini continues in the next panel,
1: Then we guarantee Superman will come to his senses, realise that you are his ideal mate, and marry you instead of Lois.
2: Lana, looking devastatingly gorgeous in this panel, replies to Vini, saying, If it could only be. She looks very wistful. The final panel of page five, Morno opens the door the little bubble space capsule, and he says,
1: Step in, Lana. This trans-dimensional bubble will take us back to my world.
2: Because of the turbulence we'll
1: encounter while penetrating the dimension barrier, a gas will put us to sleep during our journey. Well,
2: oh, that's helpful. That's healthy. Top of page six. They're inside the capsule. A caption says, A moment later. And they're all stretched out on these beds inside the capsule, little flat, brown-looking, uncomfortable mattresses. Mornu is pressing a button, and a little purple gas is drifting through the cabinet, as it were. And Mornu, looking very, very Mr. Spock indeed, says, You'll be on Zena in a few moments. Meanwhile, sleep well. And as Lana drifts off, she thinks,
1: The gas. I can hardly keep my eyes open.
2: Mm. Panel 2, then, is captioned,
0: And on the roof of the mammoth building, one of Metropolis's tallest skyscrapers...
2: Yes, we see Lois and Scoopnet Guy standing in front of another of these bubble car space capsules. We can only see two beds inside this one. Lois is saying, well, what's that thing supposed to be? A trans-dimensional bubble, Miss Lane. Both of us will be put to sleep during the rugged trip across the space-time gulfs and we'll awake on Xena. The next panel, they're both reclining inside the capsule. Lois says, I don't understand the contest bit, but if Superman's been hurt... And the other chap says, You have the power to save him. Now be quiet and go to sleep. And in the next panel, he's sort of looming over Lois. This is really creepy, looking down at her as the the gas surrounds her. And he thinks, Ah, she's out cold. Now for the next step in our plan. And page six is rounded out with a caption that says,
0: What's this? Why didn't the gas conk out the guy too? Is he telling the truth? Or are more new and Rini really giving Lana the straight stuff? And what sort of contest is being set up for the girls? Answers coming up in part two, after a brief pause for advertiser identification.
2: Yes, there's an advert for a Revel model kit of a World War Two aeroplane thunder jug. There we go. The P-47D Thunderbolt. So there you are. I'm wondering if they're going to have to compete in a series of events like Wonder Woman seemed to have to do (laughs) with herself.
1: Can you imagine?
2: I'm imagining it right now. Did
1: Robert Kanegar write this?
2: Yes, every other week it seemed to be happening. Did Robert Kanegar write this?
1: This one was written by Carrie Bates, again, yay. Interesting. Get a lot of Carrie action these days. It's penciled by Irv Novik, whose work I love... And Mike Esposito was the anchor.
2: Novik and Esposito, that's quite an interesting combination. Mm, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the artist very much, but we'll see more about that at the end. So, Indeed. Top of page seven. A caption box says, part two. The, the battle, battle of the beauties. beauties. And we've got shots of Lana and Lois glaring at each other. Maybe <laughs> Peter and I will recreate that on our socials. Perhaps. Maybe we won't. That'd be quite amusing. <laughs>
0: we'll take out a couple of wigs.
2: So, the the caption for panel one says, After a short time... Yes, and we see two capsules that we've seen already, one with three mattresses, one with two, and they're both empty apart from the one with two beds, which has Lois, and the other one, which has Lana. And off-camera, one of the three interdimensional freakos that we've met already says, Our instruments indicate they are beginning to regain consciousness. And in panel two, we see the unnamed neck goatee guy, standing with Mornut and Rini. They're all wearing long, full-length lab coats. And they're inside a kind of laboratory behind a sheet of glass. We can see equipment. And there's a computer with a with tapes, spools, So it's obviously high-tech, the latest technology. Scoopneck Series 3 Star Trek guy is in the process of saying, Very well, we'll proceed with the next step. And Rini says,
1: That means it's time to separate them.
0: They mustn't meet yet.
2: And then a caption for panel three, Swiftly,
0: silently... A soundproof metal partition slides up from the floor between the two.
2: Yes, and it separates the two capsules. We see Lois waking up in her capsule, rubbing her head, and she says, as she sits up, Ah, I'm so groggy. And then Lana thinks, Phew, that knockout gas was really potent stuff. The next panel, Lois has left her capsule. She's standing up, and she sees an open doorway in front of her. And she thinks, Hmm. My escort doesn't seem to be around. I can't say I miss him. That open door looks like the only way out. Might as well see where I am. And then the caption for the final panel of page 7 says... And as Lois steps
0: through the opening...
2: Yes, she finds herself in a a freaky-looking outer space garden. Massive plants, massive flowers... All over the place. Bright colours. Very interesting. we get a better shot of Lois's outfit here. She's a nice red belt detail. You can see the, the red shoes she's wearing that contrast nicely with her flared blue jeans. And she beholds this garden and she thinks, So this is what the dimension of Xena is like. A regular florist's nightmare. And then she says out loud, Is anybody here? When does the big contest begin? And off camera, a familiar voice says, It's been called off, Lois. And the first panel of page eight, shows the person speaking to Lois is Superman. Lois exclaims, Superman, thank heavens you're alive! But they really did have you in a kryptonite trap. Your skin is still green from blood poisoning. And indeed, Superman's face is green. He says, That's right, Lois. The Xenons released me when I came to my senses and realised you aren't good enough for me. He looks really angry in panel too when he's saying, I'm still weak from the green K, but well enough to know you and I are through. For good. Lois looks appalled. She says, Superman, you're still delirious. You couldn't know what you're saying. And he grabs her by the tops of her arm. In the next panel, shaking her, he says, you stupid female. What must I do to get through to you? You mean nothing to me. In fact, I can't stand the sight of you. Lois looks pained. And she says, no, no, I don't believe you. It isn't true. And then he marches off in the next panel, saying, it's true, baby. As soon as my powers are fully restored, I'm leaving this dimension returning to Earth, alone. You can rot here for all I care. And Lois, is on her knees on the ground, looks though she's crying. She reaches after him, saying, Oh, Superman, please, don't leave me! And then a voice, off camera, in the next panel, says, Well, Lois, now you've found out what the gallant man of steel is really like. It's a suggestion that It's maybe coming through a speaker. Mm-hmm. Lois, still crying, says, No! You people have brainwashed him. He he doesn't know what he's saying. The voice continues, saying, Yes, he does, Lois. His feelings toward you are genuine and permanent. Surely you can't still love a man who hates you. And a tearful Lois says, e- Even if Superman does detest me, I still love him. And a tiny caption says, Continued on second page following. Those two final panels look like the sort of things that that guy Lichtenstein would have ripped off from Ross, Andrew, yeah. or whatever and stuck in a museum, don't they? Yeah, definitely. They look very iconic. Mm-hmm. Top of page nine, then, the caption for the first panel.
0: Meanwhile, Lana has emerged on the other side of the Fantastic Garden.
2: The other side of the Fantastic Garden?
0: That's the B side to the single that Benspiel released
1: called The Fantastic Garden.
2: <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh dear. So yes, Lana. As she makes her way through this fancy big interdimensional greenhouse, she spies a familiar figure in front of her as she thinks,
1: This world of Zena is like something out of a science fiction movie. Good heavens, there's Superman. She cries, Superman, it's me, Lana.
2: She runs towards him in panel two as he stands with his arms folded. Lana says,
1: Maybe you can tell me what's behind the love contest between Lois and me—that's supposed to prove who loves you more.
2: Frankly, Lana, I couldn't care less. What, what do you mean? And a very stern-looking Superman was saying, "I mean, the Zilians have decided to make me their ruler, and they've offered me riches beyond even my wildest dreams. At last, I'll have the power and wealth I deserve, and best of all, I never see you again." The next panel's weird. It's horrible. I'm going to put it on Instagram because it's absolutely hilarious. Superman has lifted a rock off the ground and he's sort of crushing it in his hands. There's a massive crush sound effect. And <laughs> the sort of sound created from this crushing the rock is dribbling down over Lana. Superman says, Bah! I just as soon crush earth the way I'm crushing this stone. <laughs> and Lana says,
1: All right, Superman, forget about me. You can't abandon Earth to become a tyrannical king in this dimension. Our world needs you.
2: He's marching off in the next panel. She's on her knees, in the flowers, crying, as she says, Oh,
1: Superman, what have the Zedans done to you?
2: <laughs> they just made me realise how many years I'd wasted being a super do-gooder. So long, Lana. See you later. I hope not. The next is a panel of Lana crying, and another voice, off-camera, all jaggedy as if coming through speakers, says, You seem to be sensible, Lana. So, how do you feel about Superman now that his true personality has come out into the open? Lana thinks.
1: A voice, but where's it coming from? It doesn't sound like Mornu or Rini.
2: In the first panel of page 10, Lana shouts out loud.
1: I don't care how bad he seems now. I've known Superman almost all my life. I grew up with him, and no matter what you do, he'll always be the man I love. Oh, that's so
2: sad. The second panel of page 10 is captioned. And back in the glass booth. And we see Mornu, Rini and the unnamed one in their lab coats with their clipboards. So they have clipboards in this other dimension. That's interesting. Or do they? Mornu says, We've completed every phase except the last. And Rini says,
1: I must say, these girls are turning out to be fascinating subjects.
2: And scoop next Star Trek Series 3 unnamed guy says, Things should get even more fascinating when they meet, Doctor. I'll slip into my other clothes for the next test. Gosh, this is a bit odd. Mm. Caption then for panel three. And a few moments later, the meeting takes place. Yes, Lana's still standing amongst the flowers as Lois runs towards her. Again, we get great looks at that outfits very contemporary, very fashionable. As She runs towards Lana. Lois says, Lana, so you were supposed to be my opponent. I should have known. Lois, I was wondering where you were. And then the caption for the next panel. The two
0: girls, both under monumental emotional strain, fly at each other like fighting cats.
2: Yes, this panel's definitely going on Instagram. This is a cracker. <laughs> yeah, they're basically having a fight. They're struggling, pulling each other's arms. It looks like Lois has tried to get a hold of Lana's hair. They're down on the ground. Lois says, How dare you try to come between me and Superman? And Lana replies, Why you, I bet it's your fault he's turned evil. And we see that they're being watched by Star Trek series, three, swept back, goatee, scoop neck, circle detail guy, who's thinking, well, well, they're really having a brawl. But I'll break it up. He must have left his lab coat back in the the office. The final panel of page 10. The girls are still struggling as he says, Finish your fight later, girls. Something more important has come up. And Lois says, huh? And Lana says, what? And as we arrive at the top of page 11, we see... Scoop-neck Star Trek series 3 guy in all his glory, indicating behind him, we see a very familiar figure. Lois cries, Superman! Captured again! Those kryptonite shackles will kill him! Lana says, Fiend! How dare you do that to him! The next panel's a close-up of Superman, looking green, not very happy at all as he says, The Xenons forced me to say those terrible things to you, Lois and Lana. I didn't mean them. You must believe that! And then the caption for panel four says,
0: The next moment, the menacing trapster takes his hand from
2: behind his back to show a glass containing some liquid. The menacing trapster, is that his name? We'll never know. Let's go for that. Yes, he holds up a glass. It looks like it's just a glass of red wine, quite frankly. We see Superman passed out in the background. Lana and Lois in the foreground of the panel looking appalled as the menacing trapster, a.k.a. Star Trek Series 3 scoop neck guy says, There is a way to save him. One of you girls can die in his place by drinking poison. Come, which of you loves Superman enough to die for him? The caption for panel four says, For a
0: moment, the girls are silent. Then...
2: A very determined-looking Lois reaches forward, saying, I will. I'll gladly die for the man I love. Lana looks a bit concerned, and she says,
1: Don't do it, Lois. How do you know they'll free him? They might kill him anyway.
2: The final panel page 11 shows Rini and Mornu back in the laboratory, Rini with a clipboard, and they're watching events unfold on a monitor screen. Rini says,
1: Amazing. Lois isn't even hesitating. Her love for Superman is actually compelling her to sacrifice herself.
2: Yes, we can see in the monitor screen that Lois is holding the glass, very much in the the contemplative style of Paul McGann and the Knight of the Doctor. (laughs) Mornu comments, saying, I wonder why Lana held back. Let's leave the control booth and go down for a closer look. The first panel of page 12, we see Lana and the menacing trapster look on as Lois sips from the glass. Well, she doesn't really sip. She takes a big healthy slug. Lana says,
1: There, she did it. Are you satisfied? Now turn Superman loose.
2: She's actually drinking it. The experiment is over. Lana turns on him at this point and says, Experiment? You're not really an alien, are you? Of course not. Neither were Monu or Rainy. This is just a science fiction set in a TV studio we rented. Superman was only an actor. The poison was merely coloured water. And in the foreground, we see the Superman guy is standing up and he's taken off a Superman mask. Gosh. Revealed he has got sort of side-party blonde hair and he's having a bit of a laugh at Lana and Lois' expense. In the next panel, Lana points at Lois, who's still down on the ground. Lana says, Coloured water? Huh? Then why is Lois dying? We see in the background that Mornu and Rini have emerged from a doorway in the side of a building that was there. They're running towards everything. The menacing trapster says, Dying? She can't be! But in the foreground of the panel, we see Lois with her hand to her throat. It looks though she is suffering. In panel four, the menacing trapster is down beside Lois' face down on the ground. The trapster looks at Lana, saying, We're psychologists! We wanted to test how the love emotion can drive a person to fantastic extremes! Everybody knows how you girls feel about Superman. We decided you'd make ideal subjects with a fake Superman to serve as a stimulus. And Mornu and Rini have arrived here. Lana just posing up a storm as Mornu says,
1: We cooked up the Xena bit to keep you from knowing what we were really up to. And Rini says, We transported you and the fake dimension bubbles here while you were knocked out by the gas.
2: And an incandescent Lana says, You phonies were wearing nose filters to protect you, no doubt. And the final panel page 12, Lois is sort of surfacing. She's sitting up. She's smiling, actually, and she says, I'd say our little show has evened up the score. Wouldn't you, Lana? And Lana says, You said it. Just look at their faces. Yes, There's menacing trapster and full scoop neck glory looks appalled. Morlo and Rini, who I now start to think are brother and sister, they look shocked, and Rini says, She's alive. And then the first panel, Of page 13, close shots of the Trapster, Lana and Lois. Lois looking wide-eyed and gorgeous as the Trapster says, When did you catch on to our act? Lois replies, When I met Superman. Your actor gave me a shaking when he was supposedly green from kryptonite poisoning. The real Superman would have been too weak to stand up in that condition. And Lana says,
1: And when I examined the rock Superman crushed, I found it was made of a feeble breakaway substance. We whispered together while faking our fight and decided to turn the tables on you.
2: And then, in the final panel, Mornu looks incredibly like Mr. Spock here. This has to be deliberate. Uh A very smug and happy, self-satisfied and pleased and triumphant Lois and Lana are standing as the other four, the three scientists and their Superman actor, look a bit... uh, Lois says, When you tried that last test, I gave Lana a secret signal to follow my lead. I was sure that poison was as phony as Superman. Lana says,
1: If you're ever looking for a subject who's sneaky and dishonest, look in a mirror. And then, Mornu
2: concludes proceedings by saying,
0: I think we've learned something from you. But it sure wasn't what we expected.
2: And a tiny caption says, The the end. end. And the rest of the page is taken up with advertisement for the Joe Cooper issue of DC Special. Oh, nice. Issue, is that issue three or issue five? Can't quite make that out.
1: Issue five.
2: Johnny Quick and Vigilante and a couple of other folk, including Sergeant Rock and Willis Lake and Wildcat and Batman mm-hmm. and Viking Prince and Hawkman. That's a cracker. Did I mention Vigilante there? I may have done. Aha. Uh-huh. So, as we're back in the room. Yes. That was a bit of a cheat, really. It was a fake dimension. What did you think?
1: It was, but it was fun. It's a typical Carrie Bates story in that he, he does the bait and switch. Mr. Surprise, they called him. <laughs> which is quite appropriate considering there was a beneath Surprise Summerfield like character in this story. <laughs> As I said, I love Carrie Bates stuff. Carrie Bates and Irv Novick actually are my favourite team on The Flash of all time. Yes. It's really fun seeing them do this before they actually you know work together on The Flash. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a disposable story, but it is a fun little twist, especially compared to the other stories in the issue and indeed in the previous issue.
2: Yes. I was amused by the looking in a mirror reference in the last panel. That yeah. was a coincidence. Nice time. <laughs> Yes, it's disposable fluff, but it's much more pleasant disposable fluff than the other ones. It certainly seems a bit more modern in its outlook with it, yes. you know, the, the character stylings. and uh-huh. I love the, the groovy panel of Lana's helicopter. That was probably my favourite thing in the whole story. Yeah. Um, definitely my favourite thing that we've encountered in this episode. Yeah, it was fine. It was just nice to read a Superman story which didn't really have too much in the way of horrible relationship dynamics. <laughs> even though the in the way that Superman behaved, even though he wasn't he was thinking, because he wasn't actually Superman. Yeah, he was speaking to both ladies. Mm-hmm. No, it was interesting. I don't really have too much to add. It was a nice little fun knock around. It would have been. I think it would have been interesting if they had turned out to be really from another dimension and maybe the girls. Yeah. There was another, maybe another panel squeezed in when the girls returned home. Mm-hmm. Or something, you know, they could have been scientists just carrying out a psychological from an alien dimension carrying out a psychological experiment. But it was fun. I liked the reference to a set from a TV sci-fi programme. Yeah. That was quite funny. I think
1: the Star Trek influence is very heavy in this. I think it is basically supposed to imply it is either Star Trek or maybe Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. Just the look of the characters, as as you said. is definitely based on Spock. Apart from the pointy ears, obviously. Yeah. But he's got the the proper bowl cut and just visually his face looks very much like him. Definitely based on that.
2: Yeah. Very like Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that give us an excuse to do um, I'm Leonard Nimoy when I'm not being Mr. Spock on Star Trek? I'm listening to him? that tweet will do. probably happen. Apologies, listeners. Yeah, you do.
1: Yes. As you said, the Lichtenstein esque panels you're talking about in the bottom of page eight, the one in the bottom right hand corner reminds me a lot of Keith Giffen's later work. It's a really intense close up. Uh huh. It sounds daft, but I've seen almost that identical image. In a page from Ambush Bug with Ambush Bug crying.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting. I need to have a look and see if I can find it myself.
1: Literally, yeah, it's fantastic.
2: Those panels of Lois and Lana emoting quite heavily, they're all quite reminiscent of a few of the other DC romance comics of the period. I'm sure there's, yes, some, uh-huh. there's another one with a similar close up of a, of a young lady wearing sunglasses with a couple in a clinch reflected in them, mm. you know, which has a similar sort of vibe to that one. Mm-hmm. The artwork's very nice. It was. It felt a lot more modern than some of the, the Superman family stories that we've done. It yeah. It certainly felt a little bit lighter, even though there is some, still some questionable yeah. adult male and female dynamic behaviour on display.
1: Definitely. The dialogue certainly is a bit hipper, for lack of a better expression. Yes, a bit fresher. Yeah, things like the fake Superman saying, It's true, baby! I mean you wouldn't actually expect our Superman to say that <laughs> um, no. stuff like that.
2: Yes that that should have been a clue that something was, was off really, wasn't it? <laughs> Hang yeah. on.
1: Even when Lana's gone into her apartment, she's referring to it as her digs. Yes. You know, again it's just sort of slightly more hip language. Yes. Kind of a bit a bit different from, you know, the uh-huh. usual nineteen fifties style we're used to with these sort of stories.
2: Yeah, I mean that's I suppose as you say, that's the influence of the of, of hip young Carrie Bates coming through there mm-hmm. making changes and Bringing DC comics streaming into the 1960s just as the decade is finishing. Of
1: course. I find it really funny that the Daily Planet have got a headline saying
2: Superman's not going to be here for three days. (laughs) Surely that says
0: criminals, go for it!
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a very valid point, actually. I wonder what he was off doing. I wonder if we'll ever find out. Maybe when we write our DC comic, we can cover that. Yeah, They're quite amusing. Mm -hmm. So, we have a few letters to look at covering this issue. We do indeed. So, from issue 99, Letters to Lois and Lana, the first letter we're going to read goes a little something like this. Dear Editor, in The Girl Who Died for Superman, the splash page depicts Superman and the alien looking at the body of either Lois or Lana. We can only see her arm, and on it there is a bracelet which is worn by Lana throughout the story. Why then does Lois supposedly die in the tale? And that's from Ken Honig, Franklin Square, New York. And the editorial response says...
1: Because we have a very sneaky artist who likes to slip false clues into splash panels, says the editor, which is fair enough.
2: We didn't really pick up on that ourselves, I suppose. Nope. A splash panel was, wasn't really strictly accurate, given who was actually there when yeah. Lois actually drank the dreaded stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point of splash panels, really. It's to give the flavour yeah. of the story. Same as covers. To give uh-huh. the flavour as opposed to an exact scene from the story. You know, it's...
2: Yeah, that's true, definitely. That's the only letter (laughs) in this issue, but we jump forward to issue 101, and one letter there says,
1: Dear Editor, I liked The Girl Who Died for Superman. The only problem is that the title was very misleading. When I got to the part where Lois drank the poison, I thought my heart was going to stop beating. You shouldn't present such disturbing material in a top drawer magazine. Someone might go into shock just at the thought of their idol, Lois Lane, being dead. If it really happened, I'm sure Superman would pine away and die. Gosh. Then you wouldn't have any Superman magazines. Seriously, though, I really like the story. And that's from Charles Baum, Perkasse, Philadelphia.
2: Charles, you do realise that Superman's not real, don't you? Anyway, (laughs) editorial response is, So, we put you on with a big fake death. And you come back with a bit of fake criticism. Just in time for April Fool's Day. Yes, <laughs> just in time. <laughs> we record this in the first week of July. <laughs> Editorial response continues, which reminds us, don't miss the May issue of Action. One look at the cover and you'll know what we mean. Now, I wonder if that's a reference to a comic which we might be doing. We'll have to find out. It may well be. When we get there. So that really seems to be it as far as the letters. There's a general letter also in the issue 101 letters page, which I want to read out as well, which says, Dear Editor... I think it's time Superman quit dangling Lois and Lana. He should either marry or tell them there is absolutely no hope. If you don't want him to get married, why not have him do some physical tests and discover that a marriage with an Earthling would produce no offspring? Perhaps he could marry someone from Kandor, and that's from an an unsigned person... From Dewitt in Michigan, I think they're perfectly right. The fact that this has been going on for so long, all these years of Lana and Lois being played against each other by Superman, it's just they should all just grow up. Quite frankly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the editor's response for that says, "Speaking in all candor, since you brought it up, Lois and Lana <laughs> wouldn't buy that alibi. They know Van Z from Candor married an Earth girl, Sylvia, and they have two lovely kids. So there we are.
2: Well." That gives light to all those rude jokes people made about Superman and Lois then, doesn't it? Yes. That's the, the vast majority of the Lois Lane solo stories that we're going to do out of the way. I'm kind of relieved. Are you kind of relieved, Pete? Uh, yes and no.
1: <laughs> As I said before, they're a mixed bag. Some, the ones that are bad yes. are very bad. The ones that are good are quite fun.
2: They're never less than entertaining, are they?
1: No. This one basically is all about the twists that it's not actually another dimension, which is fun. It's, it's it's a really nice change of pace. It's something different. So
2: yeah, I loved it a lot. Uh-huh. We did one where it was an imaginary story dimension flipping. I've got a vague memory of us doing another story where the the other dimensional thing was actually questionable and not real, but I can't think of off the top of my head which one that was now.
1: It's Roy Raymond that we haven't done yet.
2: Well, that explains that then. <laughs> we need to schedule that. We've talked about doing that one for about a year and a half. Yeah. I can't remember Christmas before last, we were talking about when we were going to do the Roy Raymond one. Mm-hmm. So we should really figure that out before too long. Hmm. Maybe we'll have another interesting flashback before that, though. So, yes, there are still some more Superman family stories to come. Supergirl will be back very soon. There are a few stories from Action Comics that we'll be doing before too long. There will be some more Superman. Don't worry about such things.
1: If you are worried, you can get in touch with us and share your (laughs) worries. You can write to us at the Earth 2 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting out some lovely bonus content for this episode and indeed every episode. On Facebook and Instagram we're at the Earth 2 podcast and at Twitter we're at podcast underscore earth2.
2: Yes, if you've been affected by any of the questionable relationship dynamics that have been portrayed in these low-clean stories that we've covered, um, seek professional help. We are not qualified to assist you. Failing that, I've been Peter, and I've been David, and we'll see you again very soon on the Earth 2, Earth Two Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. The term coordinate set for Earth Prime. Sorry, I'm just being appalled at everything. Oh, there's... Right, okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got the telly on the background and Peter Butterworth just walked up to William Hartnell and it's not Doctor Who. You couldn't know what you're saying and he grubs her. Grubs her?